and you here on Facebook. Good afternoon. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Tuesday. It is 12.30 p.m. ET, and we are so honored that you have found us here on First Chapter Fun. I'm today's host, Hank Philippi Ryan, USA Today bestselling author of 14 novels of suspense going on 15, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. And I am joined in Canada by my co-host and partner in fictional crime, the adorable, fabulous, wonderful Hannah Mary McKinnon, who will be joining us in the comments. When I look over here, I am looking at the comments to all of you who are joining us today. I see Sylvia here on Instagram and Kat Reader says, hi, hi, hi. Uh, Hannah Mary McKinnon is here and Jen Jumba is here. Hey, I darling Jen and Sharon Bishop. Uh, and here on Facebook, Carlos Suto and Susie Baldwin from Seattle. Hooray. I'm so glad to see all of you. You know, it's, it's interesting. Let me show you one last thing before we go on to first chapter fun. Look what came in the mail from the fabulous Jen Jumba. Cleveland Reads. Is that not the most beautiful, wonderful, fabulous t-shirt ever? And you'll be hearing a lot more about Cleveland Reads in the days to come. But I just wanted to show off this beautiful t-shirt. Thank you, darling Jen Jumba. That was way beyond the call of duty. Um, and we're so happy, Hannah and I, that we have t-shirts too. And if you would like a first chapter fun t-shirt, you know where to go. Check our swag on our website and Hannah will put that up in the comments and you can get a first chapter fun t-shirt that says we want chapter two or not right now or one of the wonderful, uh, one of the wonderful slogans that we all know here in the first chapter fun family um, that bring us together and keep us here every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. ET to hear the first chapter of a wonderful new book. And Hannah and I, as always, are so glad to see you all here. I see Julie Carrick Dalton is here, and there's a reason for that. Celebrate 444 Susie Approved Book Reviews here on Instagram. Yay, I love that you're here. Julie Brinkley says, hello, all. Facebook user says, hi, Hank. Hi, Hannah. Facebook user, put your name in the comments if you have not allowed StreamYard to use your name. Because of the way the platforms work, it's a long story and we don't even understand it, but because of the way the platforms work, we're on StreamYard and we can't see your Facebook names unless you've allowed StreamYard. You don't care about this Instagram. This is a Facebook thing um, to use your name. So just put your name put your name. And so we know who Hi Hank, Hi Hannah is. Um, so nice to see you all. Renee says, Hi Hank, Hannah Funsters and Julie Carrick Dalton from gorgeous Southeast Florida. <laughs> Facebook user says, so nice to see Hank back. Thank you. That is really nice of you. It's just really, really crazy. It's been a I've been playing injured for about two weeks, you all. I have been playing injured for about two weeks. As you, as you all gather, here's five on the brink. Um, it, as you all gather here, let me just tell you that I have had some really annoying and painful dental problems. And I, you know, long story short, it's too long, but I had, I had to eventually have a root canal. Um, the root canal itself didn't hurt at all. The actual procedure I have to tell you, did not hurt at all. But what happened before really, really hurt and the recovery was a, is currently being a little bit odd. It's really funny. Hi, Darlene McElhaney. So nice to see you. And Summer Crossing Gill is here and Five on the Brink is here. That is so great. Pamela Fry Priest, Susan Felbush Braun is here. And Mary Garrett, hello, darling one. Susie Sharp says, hello. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to see everyone, says Sushi Sharp. Seth Kiesling says, can you see my name today? 
Steph, let's show you. Yes, we can. Steph Kiesling, we can see your name today. And we are happy, happy, happy about that. So anyway, the situation is I had, I just, my earring just fell off. The situation is that I, um, so I had this root canal. The root canal itself was welcome and fine. And um, I, do you remember the movie Midnight in Paris? Um, I think it's Owen Wilson, is it, in Midnight in Paris? And he go, he winds up in Paris in 1920, and it's the Jazz Aids, and it's F. Scott Fitzgerald, and it's Hemingway, and it's cool, and it's all of his literary idols. Um, and then someone says, um, isn't it fun to be here in Paris in 1920? And Owen Wilson says, well, frankly, yeah, but actually I'd rather be in a time that has Novocaine. And, and I'm with you and that, I mean, that kept crossing my mind that I have given thanks for the miracle of, or science of modern dentistry. And uh, Georgina, Chap Georgina Chamberlain, who is here from time to time, has been messaging me. She is, a, a, I guess, a retired dentist and telling me how to deal with it because the funny part is, and I, I know it's not that funny, but the funny part is, and I know you can't really tell right now because I can talk perfectly well, but I can't, I can't. Um, open my mouth wide enough to really eat anything. I mean, it's about I, potato chip width. I can open my mouth. I, I, yesterday I tried to eat a half of a Brussels sprout and I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't get the uh, Brussels sprout half in my mouth. So this is some TMJ thing that's happening that I know um, will go away, um, but it's pretty funny in the meantime and kind of ironic, you know, whatever. So you don't need to be able to, I don't, I can't even eat a sandwich. I mean, I can't, I just nibble at the corners of the sandwich. So this is all, this is all that's happening now. I'm living on ibuprofen uh, and acetaminophen and I'm going to be fine very soon. But that is where I've been long end of health end of Hank health story. Um, happy FCF Tuesday says Kathy Lanigan and we will just switch over to FCF. So we are pleased that you are here. This is episode number 332. 332 of First Chapter Fun, if you can imagine. 332 times the fabulous genius that is Hannah Mary McKinnon and I have read you the first chapter of a marvelous new book. And today is absolutely no different. When I look up here, I'm looking at the time just to make sure we're on time. Um, today is no different. Now, let me tell you, remind you, if, if you are a First Chapter Fund veteran, you know this. If you are new, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are new, let us know. I mean, if you are new and you've never commented, let us know. Because Hannah and I would love to know that you are here. It is fantastic to see you all. Um, and just let us know, give us a little ding, give us a little ping and we invite a friend to come listen to one of our first chapters here on first chapter fun. We love knowing who you are and we love that you are part of our family. And if you have missed any of the 331 other first chapters on first chapter fun, you can go to our videos here on Instagram and our videos here on Facebook, whatever they are calling the compilation, the anthology of all of the saved videos, all of our saved shows. You you can watch every single one of them. And Hannah and I would love to know what ones you've loved. What have been your favorite ones? What have been the, or what have been the first chapter fun episodes that actually led you to go buy a book or even, or read a whole book or get it out of the library, equally wonderful. What are the, what are the episodes of first chapter fun that have led you to dive into a book on your very own, because of course, that's what Hannah and I hope will happen, is that your TBR piles will grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And today is absolutely no exception because we are reading from 
The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. Now I want you to, um, and oh, celebrate 444 on Instagram and say, I'm really looking forward to this week's book. And I don't blame you because it is really quite extraordinary. Facebook user says, yes, my first time here. All right, thank you for that. So Facebook user, who, whoever put that in, put up another comment and give us your name if you don't mind, because we can't see it. This is what I was saying. You don't, Again, on Instagram, this is a Facebook thing, but we can't see it on Facebook if you don't put your name, if you are not on StreamYard. Someone else says, this is my first time here, excited. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are excited too. And Hannah, Mary McKinnon and I, who alternate Tuesdays generally, hope that you get hooked on First Chapter Fun and that you love all of the books that we use, that we show and read on First Chapter Fun, just like the fabulous Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton, which we are reading here today. Facebook user is saying, I loved the book and can't wait to hear you read it to us. Well, that's so, that's so nice. Yeah, this is a really good book. It's Debbie Hopped. Debbie Hopped. Hi, Debbie. XO says, Helene. Um, so Debbie Hopped is here and that is great. I have known Debbie for from the beginning of the time that I started writing, which I think was 15 years ago. So that's pretty amazing. Welcome, Debbie, and welcome to you all. Uh, Robin Stahl is here, says, oh my goodness, yes, I'm Robin Stahl. Welcome, Robin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you for joining us here on First Chapter Fun. Kimmer the Book Nerd is here on Instagram saying hi and waving, and I am waving to you to dear Kimmer, another friend from a long time in book world. But let's get to today's book. Let's get to the Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. Um, this is quite, I want you to look at the cover, first of all. And I want you to, this morning I was out looking at our new tulips. The tulips are coming up like crazy in our front yard. And I saw a bee. I saw a bee, a big fat, a big fat bee. And I have to tell you that I'm, I'm very fond of bees and I'm, I rely on bees. We know that. And I'm always happy when I see them, even when they swarm our rose bushes and it makes it impossible to pick the flowers in between. I think, okay, good for you bees, you're here. But after reading this book, I will never look at bees the same way again. I will never take them for granted. I will never um, think about what they do and how they behave and how they act and what they know and how smart they are and how human beings interact with them and how the ecosystems are so connected. It's absolutely quite astonishing. So yes, indeed, this is a, no, I have a piece of hair in my face. This is, this is a fantastic novel. It is a page turning thriller of a novel, but it is also poignant and touching and you will learn something and you will not be able to put it down. I promise you, The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. As it says on the cover from Charlotte McConaughey, no less than, Dalton's passion and love for the natural world vibrate gloriously off every page and vibrate gloriously off of every page. I want you to remember that because that is a theme throughout the novel as well, The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. I'm just going to check your comments because I see them pouring in now. Shannon Hansen says, love, love, love. The cover, Susie Baldwin says, I have The Last Beekeeper on my TBR. Cannot wait to read. Renee says, I love this book cover. The bee wax and flowers are so beautiful with the bee. And look at this. So The Last Beekeeper, if you see this, and it looks like it kind of is about bees. And look right here. Is that a bee or is that not a bee? And that's Susie Bishop Lovehug says, I know how important bees are, but they freak me out. I'm always afraid of them. 
talk to Julie Carrick Dalton and read this book and see um, how you feel about bees after this book. I promise you, I promise you. Let me tell you a little bit about Julie Carrick Dalton. Look at all of you, all the comments on Facebook are saying, love this book, I love this book, says Facebook user. The cover is fabulous, says Judy Singer. The cover is, I do too, says Renee Herskowitz. The cover is so gorgeous, says Pamela Frypriest. Um, this is a very important book, says Julie, says Susie Bolton. This is a very important book, says Susie Baldwin, about Julie Carrick Dalton. I know I can get this straight. The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. Julie is saying, <laughs> oh no, Julie Carrick Dalton is saying, can you see my name? No, I'm trying to like and comment, but my airport is being, Wi-Fi is being temperamental, but I'm here and watching. Okay. Julie, you can come back and comment when you get to wherever you are going. I hope you're not on Southwest. This morning, apparently all the Southwest flights were delayed by some computer glitch, which must be so annoying for the passengers and so crazy. I know Julie Rintley says to be or not to be. It's hard not to think that. It's hard not to say that throughout when you're reading this book. I do have to say so. So let's get to the business of the day. The last week, Julie Carrick Dalton, we know you are here. We know you are listening. You can comment whenever you want. And we are thrilled that you are here today. Julie Carrick Dalton is the author of The Last Beekeeper and Waiting for the Night Song. Waiting for the Night Song was a CNN, USA Today, Newsweek, and Parade most anticipated novel. Her writing has appear, appeared in Orion, the Boston Globe, Business Week, The Hollywood Reporter, Chicago Review of Books, and others. A breadloaf and tin house alum, she is a frequent speaker on the topic of fiction in the age of climate crisis. When she isn't reading, writing, or wrangling her four kids, you can probably find her skiing, kayaking, or digging in her garden. Julie Carrick Dalton, um, is knowledgeable and amazing and brilliant and um, a wonderful teacher in every way. So I keep singing her praises. We're talking about The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton, which is out right now from Forge Books. Let me tell you a little bit about The Last Beekeeper. Oh yes, and there's a giveaway. Don't let me forget you all, there's a giveaway. Julie Carrick Dalton and her fabulous publisher Forge are giving away a gorgeous copy of The Last Beekeeper to one lucky commenter or questioner. So leave a question for Julie, leave a comment, tell us how you feel about bees or climate change or whatever crosses your mind about nature. Leave a question, leave a comment and you could win a copy of The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. Let me tell you a little bit about the book. It's been more than a decade since the world has come and done, and Sasha Severn has returned to her childhood home with one goal in mind, find the mythic research her father, the infamous last beekeeper, hid before he was incarcerated. There, Sasha is confronted with a group of squatters who have claimed the quiet, idyllic farm as their own. When she initially feels threatened, the group soon becomes her newfound family, offering what she hasn't felt since her father was imprisoned, security and hope. Maybe it's time to forget the family secrets buried on the farm and focus on her future. But just as she settles into her new life, Sasha witnesses the impossible. She sees a honeybee, presumed extinct. 
People who claim to see bees are ridiculed and silenced for reasons Sasha doesn't understand, but she can't shake the feeling that this impossible bee is connected to her father's missing research. Fighting to uncover the truth could shatter Sasha's fragile security and threaten the lives of her newfound family, or it could save them all. The Last Beekeeper is a celebration of found family, an exploration of truth versus power, and the triumph of hope in the face of despair. It is a meditation on forgiveness and redemption, and a reminder to cherish the beauty that still exists in this fragile world. Now, I, I hardly need to read it to you, right? If you've heard, if you, if you, when you read that introduction, of course, you're going to want to read The Last Beekeeper. And you can find Julie Carrick Dalton on Facebook, at, looking at her list right here on Facebook at Julie Carrick Dalton, on Instagram as Julie C. Dalton, on Twitter as Ju Julie Care Dalt. You know what? Just go to her website, juliecarrickdalton.com. You know how to do social media and you can find Julie Carrick Dalton. Please follow her on all the platforms and also the wonderful publisher, Forge Books, which also happens to be my publisher. And we have, Julie and I have the same editor. So yay, we're sisters in Forge uh, and sisters in writing. So let's get to the book. I'm going to, I made an executive decision to skip the prologue so you could hear all of chapter one. So the prologue is Sasha, Sasha Severn, as you remember, at age seven. So chapter one begins with Sasha's 22nd birthday. June 6th. Sasha stepped off the sour-smelling bus, hoping the taste of chaff in the air would guide her back to the farmhouse. Every night since her father had gone to prison, she had visualized walking up the sagging porch stairs, retracing the familiar path down the hall, fingertips recounting each dent in the scuffed chair rail, every flourish in the wrought iron heat vents. She hadn't been this close to her childhood home in 11 years, but had never felt farther away. The hydraulic bus door screeched as it slammed closed. Sasha jumped sideways and the bus lurched away. After six steps on the broken pavement, memory tingled in her feet, her knees, and the thumping space in her chest. When she first landed in state care, she used to spin herself dizzy to see if she could intuit which direction led back to the farm. No matter how long she spun, and even if she tripped or fell, she always recognized the beeline home before opening her eyes. Flanking the desolate road, fields that once swayed with barley and rye now teemed with an untamed fervor that prodded at the dormant wildness in Sasha. She yanked up a tuft of tall grass, clotted dirt clinging to the roots. The earthy aroma, the precise mixture of life and decay that punctuated her childhood, greeted her like an old friend and conjured a longing to howl into the wind, whipping her hair across her face. Sometimes the vibrations in Sasha's fingertips, ghosts of the bees she and her father had once tended, swarmed her with aggression, attacking her from the inside. Too much lost when the bees died, too much wrenched from her tattered younger self. Other days, the gentle hum enveloped Sasha in tender, honey-soaked memories of her father's beard and the world that had not yet come undone. 
She no longer whipped her head around to chase rogue flickers in her peripheral vision. The barely audible hum of tiny, non-existent wings hovering close to her ear rarely tempted her to close her eyes and hope anymore. Her bees, like nearly all the pollinators, had disappeared more than a decade ago. As Sasha trudged up the final hill toward her childhood home, the familiar buzz warmed her fingertips. She shook her hands out, forcing blood into her fingers, and clapped to dispel the phantom hum. She shouldn't have waited so long to return home. She had aged out of the state juvenile care system four years ago. Since then, she had relentlessly promised herself she'd return to find the research her father buried. Soon, she repeated in her mind every night before slipping off to sleep. Soon. But she couldn't take time off work from the bike shop. The bus ticket cost too much. The walk from the bus stop was too long. Convenient reasons to avoid home made staying away an easy habit, one she could no longer indulge. Her father's first parole hearing was scheduled in less than a month, and she intended to unearth the documents he buried before his release. If he found them first, Sasha might never understand what she helped him hide all those years ago. She might never understand the truth about why he chose prison over her. The media already hummed with the news of the hearing. Will the last beekeeper be released early? Will the last beekeeper's daughter testify on his behalf? The letter from her father's lawyer requesting her presence at the parole hearing lay crumpled in a pocket of her backpack. Writing a dispassionate note on her father's behalf instead of appearing in person had been the coward's way out, but hadn't she learned that maneuver from her dad, who chose to hide behind his secrets instead of parenting his motherless child? The first night Sasha spent in the state home, she made herself three promises, and every night since, she had renewed the vow before going to sleep. Find the research. Understand the truth. Rebuild a family. But now, as she took the first steps toward acting on her oaths, she worried she wouldn't find anything at the farm and would have nothing left to promise herself other than rebuilding a family which seemed more unlikely than unearthing the mystic, mythic lost documents. Maybe it would be better not to try. Dust from the road clung to the sticky saliva gathering in the corners of her mouth. Sasha adjusted the backpack on her aching shoulders and took a swig of water from a nearby empty bottle. She stopped visiting her father in prison years ago, not because she didn't love him, but because she couldn't take the bullying by other kids. But now, with the possibility of his imminent release, Sasha needed to know what she helped her father bury in the field all those years ago. She needed to understand why he chose to protect those documents instead of her. And more than anything, she needed to finally understand if it had all been her fault. The weight of everything she owned thumped against her body as she swung her violin case to maintain momentum as she approached the driveway. Absolutely no trespassing. Hand-painted red letters on a sheet of plywood leaned against a large rock marking the driveway. Fucking squatters. Technically, the farm had defaulted to state ownership when her father went to prison. She had no legal claim, but this land belonged to her and she to it. Local officials wouldn't notice if she camped out for a few nights. Squatters, however, 
would fight. Sasha kicked the sign, the impact of the rubber toe of her boot reverberating in her knee. This was her home. She kicked it again, cracking the brittle wood, but not breaking it. Sasha didn't want to fight, but she refused to turn back. What right did squatters have to turn her away? She quickened her pace and passed the weather-worn barn that had once been her mother's workshop. Her eyes stung as she faced the house she had been dreaming of for years, but her dehydrated body failed to conjure tears. The garden spilled onto the driveway in a tangled mess. Shutters hung at odd angles. A dry sob stuck in her throat when she saw the silvery leaves of her mother's unruly lavender lording over the weeds. The tire swing she and her father used to beat like a piñata to vent their frustrations twisted in the wind, the rusty chain creaking with the familiar groan that makes Sasha's knees wobble. She drank the last swallow of water, dropped her pack to the ground, and ignored the buzz building in her ears. It's not real. They're gone. She knelt on the ground and leaned her elbows on her pack, taking in the familiar but altered scene. A tower of rusty bike wheels impaled on a spike stood in front of the porch. Of all things to survive time and looters. The day she and her father moved the hives to hide them in the forest, she had marked the hive's location with the sculpture, a monument to all she and her father failed to protect. As she ran a finger absent-mindedly over the cracked leather of her violin case, something landed on the handle. At first, she mistook the insect for debris carried by the wind, but the wind had stilled. Her throat tightened as the shiny stinger twitched. A bee. Her skin burned with the decades-old guilt of her role in the demise of the final bee colony, the last of their kind. No one had seen a honeybee in the wild for 11 years. Yet there it sat, a bee, a perfect, beautiful bee, taunting her, haunting her. Apis mellifera, her father's voice boomed in her mind. The earth seemed to stutter on its axis as Sasha stared at the fuzzy body, the thread-like antenna. As the bee rose into the air in front of her, the whir of its wings stirred a faded memory as elusive as a forgotten color. The vibrato hummed in her teeth as the bee lowered itself to walk across the violin case. She squeezed her eyes shut against the mirage, summoned by her desperate need to believe some bees had survived. She spent her first 11 years helping her father tend bees, and every year since trying to forget the hypnotic sound of being surrounded by them. Sasha, of all people, didn't fall for the bee-sighting hysteria. She knew the truth. The bees were gone. Sasha stared at the figment, willing it to dissipate. Was she so weak her mind could conjure a bee to appease the empty, aching space in her chest? Entranced by the impossible creature, conjured by heat, dehydration, or the shock of being home, Sasha didn't notice the man emerging from the farmhouse. Pick up your pack and turn around, he shouted, a rifle on his shoulder aimed at Sasha's chest. Sasha jumped to her feet, knocking her pack over. Pilgrims are no longer welcome here. When she looked down, the imaginary bee had vanished.
The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. And, you know, it is hypnotic. It is amazing. It is brilliant. Sylvia says the violin case is intriguing. Yes, it is. Think about the sound, the vibration that a violin makes when you play it. The noise, Diane Dick on Instagram says, wow. Cat Reader says, wow. Steph Kiesling says, wow. Sharon Bishop, Sharon Bishop 182 says, love, love, love it. Little Miss Fab says, interesting. Absolutely. Susie Baldwin says, fantastic. Carla Suto says, wow, that was incredible. Vicki Waters, hi, Vicki, says, wow. Oh, my golly. This is, Steph Kiesling says, brilliant. Shannon Hansen says, so great. It is. And Judy Singer says, wow, that was incredible. Thanks for reading, Hanky. Oh, my pleasure. You can tell, you can tell how good this book is, right? You can tell this is not just a story. Um, this is full of themes and full of the vibrations of writing and full of knowledge and full of research, full of understanding how the world works and full of understanding how we are all interlinked, the sound, the, I'm just gonna put this up. Oh, wow, in all caps, says Susan Felbush Braun. Julie, this is brilliant living here. I know that beautiful hypnotic sound. And can't you hear it? Can't you feel it? Don't you know what a lot of bees sounds like? And I know for some people it sounds scary and for other people it sounds reassuring that the world will continue. This is, you just heard the first chapter of The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. It is as hypnotic as that gorgeous cover. And we hope that not right now, but as soon as you can, you will run, run, run and get this book, which we said, as we said, is available now from Forge Books. It is perfect to read outside. It will immerse you in nature and you will never look at you will never look at a bee the same way again. The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton. We will pick a, we will pick, and Julie is saying on Instagram, I'm a beekeeper in real life. This book is really personal to me and I hope you all love it. Absolutely. Julie knows whereof she speaks. And there is a, a wonderful story, a sad story about where this book came from. So ask Julie in the comments on Facebook. The comments on Facebook will re remain. The comments on Instagram will vanish like the bees um, as soon as we post this in our videos. Let me quickly tell you, oh my goodness, I'm out of time. Next week, next Tuesday, look at this Don't You Dare, Don't You Dare by Jessica Hamilton. Look at that creepy water tower and the really sinister looking orange cover Don't You Dare by Jessica Hamilton. Very creepy, very sinister, very uh, suspenseful novel. So I hope you will join us next Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. ET for another first chapter on First Chapter Fun. Today we read The Last Beekeeper by Julie Carrick Dalton, and we really hope you enjoyed it. So you all, until next Tuesday, you know what I'm going to say. Stay safe, stay kind, and we will see you next time. Love you so much.